It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Welcome to the podcast. He's Lauren. And he's Scott. Let's get into it. All right. Well, it is indeed another episode uh, here of Movies You Should Love. MoviesYouShouldLove.com is our fantastic website where you can always join in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Or find uh, us on Facebook. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, yeah. What have you been up to these days? Scott, what are you watching here recently? Um, I recently actually got to see the movie Attack the Block, which is this kind of uh, British sci-fi horror comedy um, produced by the guys who produced Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and it's written and directed by a guy who was in Hot Fuzz and a lot of people have really been talking about it online and in various podcasts that I listen to so I thought I would check it out Um, I was actually a little disappointed by it Um, it wasn't as great as maybe it was just built up too much for me um it's got a good story it's got kind of a clever idea and twist and i like a lot of the ideas and characters and themes of the movie but overall it wasn't it's no hot fuzz it's no Shaun of the dead um two movies that i both i really like and maybe that's because it's edgar wright at the helm of those movies um but uh yeah i saw that i got that off netflix and then um a couple days later i went and i saw um immortals You've seen the trailers for that, I'm sure, or the posters for that. Um, I had to go see it because I am a uh, I uh, I love Greek mythology. I like a lot of different types of mythology, and so I thought I would go check that out. It seemed like a movie I should see on the big screen. I did not go see it in 3D, and I'm kind of <laughs> glad I did because there's no scene there's no scene in it that I could imagine better in 3D. Um, it's a really interesting movie. There's a lot in it that I actually really like. It's not, um, it's not 300, thankfully, but there is definitely a. Um, I think this is kind of the the spiritual successor to 300, where they kind of took some of the ideas of 300, like the the super slow uh, cinematography and you know filmmaking style, and some of the, even the visuals, the golden hue of the film. Will definitely remind you of 300, but it's a much bigger film than 300. It actually has some sets in it. You know, there's some things going on. Um, but the couple of things that I personally really liked about it is, first off, they embrace the gods. I feel like a lot of uh, Greek mythology films lately, like Troy, have done whatever they could to take the gods out of the story. Um, not only do they embrace the gods, but the gods are actually the good guys. To a certain extent, um, which is also refreshing after the God of War uh, trilogy on the PlayStation, where your main character is doing what he can to kill the gods and kind of replace them. Um, you have the villain basically wanting to throw the gods, you know, take the gods down, and you have the hero defending the gods, um, which I thought, as a just generally speaking, I thought it was very refreshing. Um, and they did something that I have always kind of wanted. They do it in a very rated R sort of way but um, it has always kind of bothered me in superhero films and even in comic books you see it where you have these super powered uh, beings or people or heroes or creatures and they punch a person and it's as if a normal person is punching a normal person you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's like when Spider-Man punches uh, Dr. Octopus it should really take Dr. you know it should devastate him because you know Doc Ock is just a normal person with mechanical arms um in this movie when the gods show up nobody can stand up against them i mean they 
when Zeus swings his axe, people are obliterated, and <laughs> it's like you just you can't stand up against the gods. Which I thought was it was it was kind of cool to see, and also was truer to some of the old Greek myths that we've seen. You know, but when you read them, the the moral of the Greek myths almost always are uh, don't mess with the gods. You know, yeah. You, you can't do that. <laughs> so I liked it. Um, I can't necessarily recommend it to everybody. It's directed by the guy who directed The Fall, um, Tarsim Singh, I think his name is. Um, he directed The Fall and he directed The Cell. Um, he definitely likes blood. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, there's definitely some uh, splatter and gore in it that you, I could take or leave. But um, would recommend it to everybody. But if you, you know, if you like uh, action movies, if uh, you like the old Greek myths, this is a real fun take on it. Very cool. Well, I've seen a couple of different things um, here recently. Uh, the first is the um, Bradley Cooper and uh, Robert De Niro movie Limitless. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it was a pretty good little sci-fi flick. It um, you know it, it kind of came out um, and and I think it was kind of competing with um, Inception. A little bit in its kind of in its mm-hmm. concept sort of thing, um, but really watching it, it's uh, it's they're pretty different beasts. Um, there's some really really cool effects in this one. Um, something that I had never really seen is kind of this infinity camera is the best thing I'm kind of calling it, where um, the camera starts moving down a street or something um, in slow motion, and it keeps going forever. Um, it just keeps going p- down past people in this incredible slow motion. And I mean, it goes for blocks and blocks and blocks and through cab windows and doors. And I mean, it's, it was just, it, there's, it does it a couple of times in the movie and, um, and it's a pretty cool effect and it, it really fits the, um, is it kind of like a, like David Fincher kind of does like in panic room and in fight club, that kind of thing, but longer. It's like that kind of on steroids. Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a really cool effect that I really hadn't seen done like that. And, um, yeah, uh, that was probably the, out of maybe anything. That was probably the part that kind of shocked me the most was kind of, it was, it was some CG work that I, was not expecting to see and it really worked really well you know i i'm still not entirely sure how it happened so that's in this day and age that's actually a pretty impressive feat to me um the movie itself is is pretty good um you know the story is is pretty strong for it and bradley cooper i think does a really good job of of holding it all together it's he actually definitely has some good leading man qualities um you know it's a bit violent it's a bit uh, it's got quite a bit of language in it, so if if those are your um, kinds of things that you know, that's definitely in it. So um, you may want to watch out for that. But uh, otherwise, it's um, it's a pretty cool sci-fi thing that kind of asks some interesting questions and and even wraps them up in some ways that uh, you might not necessarily expect it to go. It actually has has kind of a an ending that went a little bit of a different direction than I was expecting it to go. So, um, yeah, cool. it was a good little movie. I, I haven't I would, seen that yet. Yeah, definitely not the, the absolute best thing ever, but it was, it was good. Cool. Um, and then, uh, the other movie that I've seen here recently is a British import, um, called nativity complete with an exclamation mark. <laughs> um, so this is not to be confused with the nativity story that came out a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, 
which definitely did not make our list of movies that we're talking about today. Um, but this movie also did not make the list, but it made this particular list of things that I've watched <laughs> recently. Um, it's a uh, it's a British film. It has uh, Martin Freeman in it, um, and apparently Eminem's in the background. Sorry. <laughs> Trying to keep the little one quiet. Ah, uh, yes. By little one, I mean the dog. Ah. <laughs> uh, Martin Freeman, I love, who's yes. uh, Arthur Dent in The Hitchhiker's Guide, and Watson in the new Sherlock BBC series. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, anyhow, he's he's really good in it. Uh, it's it's kind of a... Uh, you know, he's a, he's a struggling actor, director, who ends up going to teach, basically, first grade. Um, <laughs> uh, because he can't really... He hasn't been successful. And uh, ends up getting everyone to think that his girlfriend who has moved to Hollywood is coming back with a production team to uh, d- produce their nativity program at kind of the like school. A British waiting for government? Yeah, something kind of like that. And so, you know, the whole community gets involved and it revitalizes this failing school and there's another competitive school, you know, <laughs> with his old best friend who's like trying to beat them. And, um, you know, it's, it's not um, an outstanding movie. It, it, it uh I saw it on Netflix. It's it's on their streaming at this point now. It's um if I had seen it in, in the theater and had paid ten dollars for it, I might have been a little bit disappointed in it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'd put it somewhere between it's probably not quite as good as a as a full on theatrical release that you would expect to see here, but it's better written, truly much more funny and better acted than like any made-for-TV movie you'll see here in the U.S. So it's somewhere right between those two things. And as far as a holiday movie goes, as far as a Christmas movie goes, it is very heartwarming, very, um, you know, there's some great kids in it who are a lot of fun. Um, You get, by the end, you've seen kind of their whole production of the nativity thing, and so that's kind of cool. And, um, you know, it has original songs written for the movie that the kids perform. and. there's there's a heartwarming love story and rediscovery of the Aww. love of Christmas and all of that sort of thing. So, um, you know, it's 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 a nice new movie to kind of add to my Christmas repertoire. I don't know if it's uh, it still probably would not make our top six list that we're doing today, mm. but um, certainly something to check out. Cool. Yeah. So that's some of the stuff I've been watching. Have you heard the news? I am so excited. <laughs> uh, about Ender's Game? I think, yes, we're both, I think we're both incredibly excited about this. Asa Butterfield, um, who I have not yet seen his movie. He's in the new uh, Scorsese movie, Hugo, mm-hmm. which we do want to go see. Kelly read the book and loved the book. and um, Yeah, I'm very excited about the movie. I mean, it, it's Scorsese, and, and yeah. on top of that, it's you know film history and all that kind of thing. I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't realize the backstory to that movie or that book, and mm-hmm. it was she even read the book and she goes, "That was a true story, or that part of it was," and mm-hmm. didn't realize that. So, that, yeah, we really want to go see that. But the the main actor in that has been confirmed to be have been cast in the upcoming Ender's Game adaptation, which has been thirty years in the making, or people mm-hmm. have been trying to make it for thirty years at least. Um, so he's been cast as Ender, and the the current rumor going around right now is that they're pursuing Harrison Ford for the role of uh, General Graff, uh-huh. which would be great, I think. Yeah. Uh, you just just to clarify, I mean, Ender's Game, uh, I think, is probably one of 
if I was doing a list of books that I love, it's probably in my top five or ten books of all time. Yeah, and I, I put Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow. Uh, Orson Scott Card wrote these books, if you haven't read them. Uh, highly, highly recommend them. Um, it's about this boy who gets... Uh, he's eight years old? Six well, he's, years old? He's, he's three when he gets drafted. Right, okay, yeah. He's super, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he gets drafted into... Uh, battle school and basically is being trained to be one of earth's next generals against this alien invasion mm-hmm. um and that's the setting and it's it's wonderful the way orson scott card writes it and um really puts so much power into children and their abilities to uh reason and logic and all of these things um and then he ended up writing uh, and that was a whole series of books that he wrote mm-hmm. and then he went back later and wrote another series from an, another one of the supporting characters of ender's game is a guy named Bean, and he ended up having his own series. And um, if you read Ender's Game, I highly recommend reading Ender's Shadow, which is the it, same story. Yeah, but it fleshes out. It fleshes out what happens in the first story and significantly. I, yeah, and it's astonishing how how well Orson Scott Clarke clearly knows his characters in a way that he can be inside the head of one of them and then he can show you the exact same scene from a different perspective and make you not like the person you were rooting for in the previous book Mm -hmm. and um anyway they're finally making that movie and i'm really curious to see how they do it because there for a long time they were saying that the ender's game movie would be a hybrid of those two books Mm -hmm. i'm curious to see if that's still the case Mm -hmm. or if it's going to be more of a straight adaptation of the ender's game novel yeah Um, this this is a movie that we're both really at, at, at a minimum, we're both really intrigued to see how they pull it off because yeah. there's some major challenges I think to it, Definitely. and some uh, you know the kids that in the book at least are incredibly young. I mean, it starts at age three, mm-hmm. and I think they're they're like eight by the time they're they're done in the main I series. I would be surprised the- if we pick up the story sometime after he's been drafted, mm-hmm. and we get some of that in like a prologue, like yeah. a montage, like. At three years old, this happened. This happened, and this yeah. happened. And but it's now. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's an interesting. It has some really interesting challenges, and I, I think we're both really yeah. really curious. Yeah, like but the, the, it, the it, test games or the, the they have like that uh, the zero grav battles. Basically, yeah, the zero grav battles. Like, yeah. how are they going to do that? Yeah. There for so, a while here, I was really thinking they were going to make this as a uh, like a motion capture movie kind of doing the robert zemeckis yeah i I didn't want that necessarily but i know orson scott card has been a real stickler for wanting to keep the kids age accurate because Mm. it is a very big point of the books and if you make ender too old some of his actions don't make sense Mm -hmm. Um, and studios have always balked at that because it's like how do you make a how do you find a really good five-year-old actor who can handle what you want him to do in this and so there i'm like well now that we have that technology maybe that's what they'll do but i'm really excited hoping that this turns out well yeah so that's something we'll be keeping our eyes on mm-hmm. all right well um so yeah today basically what we wanted to do was since we're coming into the christmas season we're taking a break from our afi list that we've been going through and we just kind of wanted to go through um some of our favorite movies uh for christmas mm-hmm. um you know, we you, Christmas movies kind of have their whole own genre almost. It's kind of this this whole separate thing where um, they kind of exist, and and there's a lot of uh, really bad ones, a lot of made for TV <laughs> yeah. kinds of things and stuff. So um, this list is maybe not um, maybe not even always going to be the most 
watchable. Well, I don't want to say most watchable. It's going to be the most. Um, it, it, they might. These are movies that might not ever appear on the AFI Top 100. Yes, these aren't necessarily good movies, but these are movies that we love. Right, and <laughs> but we are also keeping it to movies. We are not going to go in this particular episode. We are not going to go into like television specials. So it may. These may not actually be the things that you turn to the very first time you think, "Oh, what am I watching for Christmas?" That we're other than this mention, we're not probably going to mention like Charlie Brown Christmas or that kind of thing. So those are not going to show up in here. That's probably going to be a later podcast where we kind of talk about some of the other yeah. uh, great holiday things that are available. But this is, we're focusing on our favorite movies of yeah, Christmas. Just to give you a quick heads up of what to expect here, we're going to probably release about three of these. Um, this one, and then two more, mm-hmm. um, in which we discuss our favorite uh, holiday movies, as well as the last one, we might get into some TV episode stuff, um, but we'll kind of cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Scott kind of, uh, we, we talked about how we wanted to do this and, um, I guess we're going to go through our top six and what I've done is I've compiled <laughs> my top six holiday movies. I think and, you've cheated. And Scott has compiled <laughs> his top six holiday movies. And so we're going to do two podcasts. We're going to do, this is, this is my podcast, I guess. Um, it is. And at, on your top six, I'm counting nine movies, sir. Uh, the others uh, are probably going to go. You have a, you have three movies underneath your, your sixth movie. I, I, I am not going to mention those in this podcast. Those are things that I want to highlight in our third. So, so pay no attention to Edward Scissorhands hey, and White Christmas or Holiday Inn. The curtain. <laughs> um, Anyhow, uh, so uh, there's a couple of these that we kind of share. So uh, our our top two, um, I think we have them inverted. Yes, um, we do. So Scott Scott goes for one. Maybe I don't know if your list is actually in order or not. Is it? it I I really fought. It's really hard. It's I, I I'm not good at these lists. Um, like my top ten list is probably always. If you t- ask me my top ten favorite movies, it's probably always going to be these particular ten movies. But they might be in a completely different order depending on what day it is. But I did try to really, I had to sit down and make myself create a top six list mm-hmm. and put it in order in which I love them. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like so. The, my number one movie is probably for today my number <laughs> one favorite Christmas holiday movie. Fair enough, and and that's kind of what I tried to do with mine. Is I, I was kind of like, you know, uh, this could change. There's there's half a dozen other movies that could easily make this list at other times, but here's kind of how I'm feeling right now. So um, yeah, and if these lists included some of these TV episodes that we're not talking about, it would be a completely different list. Right, <laughs> you so, know, it'd be like. Yeah. So again, this is movies, but um, and and like we said, there may be a couple of things that cross over. So I know our top two crossover here. Yeah. So you may hear about them a couple of times between these two podcasts, at least a little bit. But um, deal with it. Indeed. So <laughs> jumping right in at number six on Lauren's top six list, we have the ever present at Christmas time, a Christmas story. Um, I can't where, argue with this at all. This is a fantastic film. It is a fantastic film. Um, the reason for me, it does not rank higher um, than number six, which, uh, you know, that's that's still a pretty high ranking, no matter how you cut it. It is. Um, is that it's a fantastic movie in overall. However, it's a really disjointed film. It happens in episodes, mm-hmm. and some of the episodes are stronger than other episodes. It, it's based off a book, wasn't it? 
I believe so. I, I actually, I don't. It, it feels like it feels like a movie that was like very strictly adapted from a book because of how episodic it is. Yeah, I honestly don't know a whole lot of the history of the movie. I've never really delved into it to really find out that much about it. I just kind of have always enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly there's there's a scene where um, where he cusses for the first time, and uh, <laughs> you know that's that's. A hilarious scene, and there's uh, the fallout yeah. where his mom calls his friend, and you can hear the his friend's mom beating his friend. Over the exactly, phone. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, there's there's um, things with horrible lamps that are shaped like legs and horrible stockings. Like and, symbol of sex in the window. Yes, uh, and so uh, I mean, at this point. If you have cable, you've at least flipped past it on TBS. Oh, yeah, because TBS actually runs it for 24 hours straight. Right. Or they have it for, like, the last 10 years. Right. But it's it's a wonderful movie. Um, it's just a bit disjointed to me. And so it doesn't... Uh, it's, it's great because you always know that that next really good thing is coming. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, there's a couple of sections where you just kind of have to suffer through. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my thing with... If we made a top 10 list, this would be on it. Yeah. But it just didn't quite make my top six. It is one of my favorite Christmas films. Yeah. So that's number six. Um, so number five. Now, this movie uh, is Mickey's Christmas Carol. Um, and there was a little bit of discussion as to whether this was even allowed on this list. Because I think most people <clears throat> know this movie as Ourself a, included. A, a, yeah. We, we were introduced to it this way. But it, through uh, The Wonderful World of Disney, uh, you know, it was, it was on television and that's how most of us saw it. You know, it was, it was part of a collection. I think it had maybe like a Chip and Dale and a Donald Duck cartoon. Was, yeah, when I saw it, there was a Donald Duck... Uh, was, they're playing snow, they're playing hockey, and they ended up making big mm-hmm. snow forts. There was yeah. that. There was uh, Chip and Dale with, uh, with Pluto's Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, there might have been a goofy skiing yeah, short. I'm trying to remember. If, but, yeah. but it was, it, you know, this is it's a short film. It's um, it's so obviously it's not long enough to even fill an hour of television. They had to put other cartoons. Right, with it. I think it's right under thirty minutes. <clears throat> it, it's mm-hmm. it makes for a good solid episode of something. Right. Um, however, uh, what most people don't know is this was actually originally theatrically released um, in front of uh, the re-release of the rescuers when the rescuers went back to theaters um mickey's christmas carol played in front of it i just learned that today and this was 1983 and it was actually nominated for an academy award for best short film and this was um this movie was the resurrection of mickey mouse basically he hadn't done a cartoon for about 30 years up until this point and this was kind of him coming back and it's a fantastic movie um you know, it's it is a short, but it's it's really really wonderful. It's a wonderful telling of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's really cool to see all of these wonderful Disney characters that you love filling the parts. Oh yeah, I mean, who 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 knew that the Disney collection of characters was perfect for they fit so perfectly for Scrooge a Christmas playing Carol. Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's amazing, and everyone just fits in perfectly. It's it's a really great film. It's um, it's a great telling of a Christmas Carol, uh, which is a story I've always loved to begin with, and so um, that definitely fits in at number five on my yeah. This top might be list. the first Christmas TV special slash movie holiday anything that I really remember. We watched this one probably on 
you know, probably on repeat when I was a child during the holiday season. We love this movie. Yeah. Find it if you can. They've released it on a couple different DVD and VHS. Um, I'm sure you could probably even find it digitally at this point somewhere. Um, but it's find it if you haven't seen it. It's great. Mm-hmm. So that is number five, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Number four for me, um, the very first pairing of Danny Glover and Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon. This comes in at number four right now. Um, I actually just rewatched this with with my family over uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, you know, it's it's this whole franchise is a great franchise, mm-hmm. um, and the first movie, the first Lethal Weapon. Um, takes place entirely over christmas it's um i didn't realize that i I need to watch it again seeing this on this list i was like that's a christmas movie yeah i mean from the opening credits flying in over the city with christmas music i mean it it the whole movie definitely has a christmas air to it and um yeah it's uh it's it's a fun it's a fun movie it's you know it's it's over the top and violent in a lot of ways um but the chemistry that Mel Gibson and Danny Glover have is, uh, I mean, just amazing. And um, th- this is one of my dad's favorite films of all time, I think, or this whole franchise. Mm-hmm. I think he probably goes back and watches it every year. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a lot of memories of watching this with him and I'm just re-watching it with him over Thanksgiving again. And uh, so this one definitely has... Um, not only is it a good movie, but it also has some of that um, nostalgia to it for me. So, um, now what's interesting? What I, what I remember the, about *Lethal Weapon* when I rewatched it after seeing the whole series is that first movie is a lot more serious than yeah it, than it the gets, later installments. They get sillier and sillier kind of mm-hmm. as they go. But there's a couple scenes I remember near the end where you start to see Mel Gibson's trademark comedy, some of his puns, mm-hmm. some of his play on play on words. Mm-hmm. They start to come into this first movie, and I think it's clear Richard Donner and Mel Gibson and Danny Glover went, Hey, we could actually have a lot of fun making these movies if we're mm-hmm. going to keep making them. Yeah. And which is great because it's, uh, this first movie, especially, but really the whole series, it, you definitely see kind of this growth of Mel Gibson's character in it. And Absolutely. this first movie, he starts out as a really, really dark character. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's contemplating suicide the first time you see him, isn't he? Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, this whole first movie is, uh, Danny Glover trying to figure out if his new partner is crazy or not. Right. I mean, basically. And it turns out, kind of he is, but in a really good sort of way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, there's a really, I really appreciate the very strong continuity through all four movies. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Die Hard trilogy, uh, franchise, where each movie is just a separate installment that has this very loose McLean-ness yeah. to it all. Mm-hmm. This is really about these two guys and the growth of their families and how they get older and how things go on. It's a it's a fun series. Yeah, I can't argue that. So anyhow, so that comes in at number four for me. At least at least right now, uh, could change it. You know, <laughs> next year. Yeah. Um, uh, so number three, we're we're jumping back uh, quite a ways from Lethal Weapon with number three back to 1955 with a uh, Humphrey Bogart and Peter Ustinov uh, classic. Uh, it also has Basil Rathbone in it. Um, uh, it is not that one, Scott. You have a different one. Yeah, I saw um, it on the list. I was like, is this a remake? Because I've been wanting to see this We're No Angels. Yes, and that's starting. what it is. It's it's We're starting. No Angels. 
<laughs> um, Spoiler alert. Um, and there was. There was a remake in the 80s, I believe. Sort of a remake. It's 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 really a different film okay. with uh, yeah. Robert De Niro and um, Sean, uh, Sean Penn, Penn. And Demi Moore. It's written by David Mamet and directed by Neil Jordan. I've always wanted to see it. So I was like, "Is that's not this movie. It's... Uh, they... <laughs> It's a really, really, really loose remake, is is my understanding. I could okay. be completely wrong, but um, but yeah, the 1955 Humphrey Bogart movie um, is a wonderful film. If you haven't seen it, it's um, it's a kind of a dark comedy about Christmas, um, which is just a fantastic thing to begin with. It, it's heartwarming without being overly schmaltzy, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, Basically, there's these three convicts, Humphrey Bogart, Peter Ustinov, um, and another guy who I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> um, but they escape... Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> they escape from prison on Devil's Island. Um, but it's an island, so they don't really have anywhere to go. So yeah. they end up um, posing as workers, and they go to this shop that they want to rob, basically, and hide out in. Um, and basically end up on the roof posing as uh handymen who so they can fix the roof mm-hmm. and they're just trying to hide out from the police and everything for the day until they can get on a ship and escape the island um and it happens to be christmas day mm-hmm. um and during this day they find out so many things that are going on at this shop and how good the people are there who run this place and how bad some of the other people are around them (laughs) and the things that they are doing to this really good family um, who end up incorporating these convicts basically into the family despite the fact that they're trying to rob them and take advantage of them. Um, It's this really beautiful film where um, they end up exacting the perfect revenge on all of the bad guys um, and they turn into kind of the avenging angels of christmas if you will um in in kind of a a really sweet dark 1950s sort of way it's it's Mm -hmm. it's a really really good movie um really just kind of a subtle sly humor to the whole thing um directed by michael curtis who also did of course casablanca and and some of these other wonderful movies so it's it's a great um it's a great film, and I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Thank goodness. Is it on Netflix, do you know? Um, I am sure they have the DVD. I have no idea if it's on streaming or not. Okay. I will look it up. <laughs> um, and Scott will get that information for you shortly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yes, that is number three on my list. It's uh, definitely a great, a great little movie. So, number two. It's not on there at all. Really, like you can. You, the only option on Netflix is to save it, huh. as if it's not available currently. Well, this is DVD availability date unknown. Well, that's awful. So, <laughs> if if we do find a good way for you guys to be able to see it, Sad we'll face. try to find it. Yes, uh, it's a great movie though. Um, so number two on my list. Uh, Scott and I share this movie. He's got this at number one on his list, not to spoil the Spoiler next Spoiler alert! Jeez! <laughs> but, uh, I'm changing is, it now. Oh, I can't. Um, this is number two for me. It, it is Love Actually. Um, this, this movie, 
It shares a couple of the issues that A Christmas Story have. It's a little disjointed in parts, and it's got a couple of storylines in it that just don't quite work as well. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Dude Coming to America. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't have a great payoff. Yeah, but that said, there are so many, uh, so many great storylines, and I'm not going to go too deep into this because I'm going to let Scott talk about it on his podcast more. But there are so many wonderful storylines um a couple of them that even go in the opposite direction of the way that you want them to go but they're still such beautiful storylines um and it really by the end of it it all wraps up into this really really beautiful picture of humanity and love Mm -hmm. and really kind of the joy of christmas Mm -hmm. um and so that's why I love this movie a lot. It's it's just a really beautiful little film. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll let Scott maybe talk more about that either now or on his podcast, whatever he'd prefer to do. It, oh, we're talking about it now, but because I, I mean, you've pretty much nailed it. The reason why I love it so much is all the different little glimpses into love and the holidays that you get from each individual story. And each story... Um, even the ones that don't work real well, each one is so strong, it could be its own movie. But mm-hmm. instead of being their own movies, they have kind of combined them into this one uber movie. And um, like the Colin Firth story about the, him, he's like a writer who goes to Portugal to get away from things. To be yeah, which is my favorite storyline in the whole movie. Yeah, it's like, that. I would watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Like if they decided to go make that movie, I would love to watch that movie, and it's wonderful. And uh, Liam Neeson plays the dad to a little boy who's like, by the time he the at the culmination of his story, I just have goosebumps, and I just like mm-hmm. I'm rooting for them, and I love it, the dad in that, and um, yeah, it's like there's, there's not a story in there that I don't like. I do know that this is a movie my parents turned off about 15 minutes in due to one of the stories. Yes. Um, there is a story that uh, it involves but, the it involves the adult film industry, but, shall we say? Well, it it actually doesn't. It they are stand-ins for in a movie that has legitimate actors in it. You know, they yes. Martin Freeman again plays a body double for um, for some actor. I don't think we know who it is, but I think he does mention he was a body double for Brad Pitt at one point, mm-hmm. which is kind of laughable. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're filming uh, several love scenes, or at least one very long extended love scene throughout the movie. And so, you know, they're naked throughout it, and they're simulate, simulating um, different sex positions and whatever. And so that is definitely something that I think is not for everybody, and I could see where that would people would just kind of turn it off there. But for me, and this is just me coming at it, looking at this story, I like that. It's not my favorite story by far, Uh, in the movie but for me there's something about that that speaks to the current generation of people who grow up surrounded by sexual images it's in the media it's in television it's in your magazines it's on the internet you can't avoid some of that however despite the fact that you are shown these things you still fall in love in exactly the same way everybody else does. You still go through all of that awkwardness, even though you might have seen certain things growing up or been uh, exposed to certain things. And so you have these two people who you would think would be super slick, super super sly or uh, sexy people who 
as soon as they start talking to each other, they're fumbling over their words, and they're actually just normal people put in this very odd position, and they end up falling in love. Um, and you can't... Oh, and before we leave Love Actually, uh, Hugh Grant as the Prime Minister is simply wonderful. <laughs> yes. He falls in love with one of his uh, PAs, and it's it's just great. It's like him dancing through <laughs> his... Uh, not apartment, it's the... Uh, it's uh, Downing Street. Yeah, it's like just imagining that. It's like, I, I want all of our world leaders to be you, Grant. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I could keep... I mean, I love uh, I love the old rocker dude who, who oh, comes up Bill with... Nye and Bill Nye. Bill Nye is fantastic. Billy Bob Thornton shows up as the American president. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, what Hugh Grant says to him as the prime minister speaking to the American president is just wonderful and, like, yeah. amazing. And I have to believe when that movie showed in uh, Britain for the first time, everybody was just <laughs> on their feet cheering <laughs> for what he says to the president. But anyway, it's a great movie. If you think you can handle some R-rated material um, and you haven't seen it, go see it. It's, I mean, go find it. It's, it is on Netflix. I own it. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah. All right. So that brings me to number one on my list. This is this is probably just about my favorite, and and it stays right around number one. This is definitely my go-to. I have to see it every year. Christmas movie, and that is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, this is, in my mind, it's still probably just about the best telling of a Christmas Carol that we've ever had. Yeah. Um, I you know I know it takes some significant liberties from the original Dickens work, but pretty much I think they are all for the better. Um, you know, yeah. it, <laughs> I, you know uh, this is uh, other than maybe um, some of the the original Jim Henson uh, Muppet work. This is probably in my mind about the strongest outing the Muppets have ever had. Um, you know, it it has all of the charm that the Muppets do, while also having the strongest story I feel that the Muppets have ever told. Um, Michael Caine kind of centers it all in a fantastic Scrooge. Um, he's just mean and unlikable enough at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then you totally buy his transformation. Yeah, I mean, which he's... is a, a really important thing that I think mm-hmm. um, doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. You know, but he has a very legitimate change. And and the thing that I really like about this movie um, is that I think that there's a, a beautiful thing by adding the Muppets to it um, where it takes kind of a Victorian setting that is maybe a little hard sometimes to completely see the application today because um, it's, I don't know, today it's a little hard to imagine someone exactly right. like Scrooge, you know, yeah. even, I mean, we, we get commercialism now and stuff and we kind of are like, we can make money and be happy. You know, I mean, that's right. kind of our, our uh, thing here in America. I, I think adding the Muppets to it adds a certain relevance to it. Um, that really kind of, for me at least revitalizes the story and kind of gives a new meaning to a lot of, a lot of the things in it. And it just makes it super fun. I mean, when you have, <laughs> when you have Rizzo and Gonzo as your as your narrators. as your narrators, and isn't Gonzo um, actually playing Dickens? He is, yes. <laughs> and um, you know, throwing in uh, just uh, there's so many throwaway pieces of humor in it, and there's Fozzie I mean, Wig. yeah, Fozzie Wig. Uh, you know, I just I love some of the the stuff where just like little characters are doing things in the background, or I, it's an incredibly layered sort of film. It's it's like. Um, I believe this was the first one that they did after Jim Henson died. It is. And it's, it's. I think that really 
informed the making of this film significantly. I think it's it's almost a love story to Jim Henson and what he created. I think it's um, a fantastic use of film to tell a story. And it's an instance where the Muppets have never been better. There's some wonderful songs in it. I was about to say, you, you can't not mention the There's, music. I mean, stuff that I go around singing every Christmas, you know, some of my favorite Christmas music comes one more, from this. One more sleep till Christmas, mm-hmm. I adore. And then... Um, um, the, the 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 main climax song that the, yeah the uh, wherever there's love there, there's, there's, Christmas. there's Christmas yes yeah. yes yes um, and uh, you know but even even some of the uh, the the slightly less memorable songs are still great the the introduction to Scrooge song as he's oh, walking down the, the street and um, really the only song in it that I don't like. Uh, is the is, love song is the love song right in the middle, and uh, if you watch this on DVD, you're only going to see that if you watch the full frame cut of it. They actually cut it from the widescreen uh, DVD release. I, I think they actually cut it in theaters eventually because they realized it wasn't quite working as well as they wanted it to. And if you listen to the soundtrack, there's also an extra song that Beaker and Honeydew sing. That's not in the movie at all. Is that in either of the cuts? Do you know? I don't know that it is. So, um, yeah, because they, they play the two people who show up to Scrooge's uh, right workplace asking for money, and they had a song, they had a little song about giving mm-hmm. and how it's wonderful. It's actually a cute little song, mm-hmm. um, but it's done in the movie. Yeah, and then you have uh, uh, Marley and Marley, <laughs> who are the you know, yeah. Waldorf and Statler yeah, they, hanging out in the back, but they, they play the Marleys. And I, I, it, I'm almost ashamed at how long it took me to get the joke. That there's always been Jacob Marley, mm-hmm. and to, now he's got a brother, though Robert Marley, who's mm-hmm. clearly supposed to be a, a reference to Bob Marley. Yes, I was like, I've watched this movie for years, and I just got that maybe like last Christmas. Yeah, uh, it's it's just a fantastic movie. I, I cannot. There there are so many good things I can say about this movie, um, but the best of them is that it's number one on my list, and I recommend it to everyone with no caveats of any sort. I can't imagine anyone, unless unless you basically are Scrooge himself, <laughs> who would not love the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, Lauren's already said it, but uh, our our number one and our number twos are are swapped. Um, tomorrow, if you ask me again, Muppet Christmas Carol might be my number one. You know, it's one of those things where those two they flip back and forth a lot, and it's wonderful. Yeah. So there you go. That is my top six. Um, next time on the podcast, which should probably be coming up here pretty quickly, mm-hmm. um, Scott will talk about his top six, and uh, and then uh, yeah, that's. Yeah. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy and holidays, and uh, hope you're enjoying this. Let us know what your favorite holiday movies are. Oh, um, hey! Speaking of which, on Facebook, we actually asked you that very thing. Yes, we did, and, and uh, we had a couple of people respond. Molly North, friend of the show, Molly North, <laughs> um, responded that it's Christmas vacation, of course, indeed. And uh, then my mom chimed oh, in. Oh, hello, mom. <laughs> uh, and uh, her favorite Christmas movie is a made-for-TV special um, that I believe it was Fred Astaire's last film. Oh. Um, it's called uh, The Man in the Santa Claus Suit. I never and, uh, have even heard of that. And uh, it, it, it was a product of its time, but it is a really cute little holiday movie that, um, you know, if for some reason you're able to see it. It's worth your time just to see uh, Fred Astaire in his last 
uh, last theatrical role. Absolutely. So uh, find us on Facebook because as we continue to do uh, these podcasts, uh, we we like to kind of get involved with uh, you, the listener, and would, we will be posing questions like this, especially when we approach uh, certain thematic um, episodes like this, or even as we uh, release new episodes, we announce it, and we would love to see your feedback there as well as on the uh, mm-hmm. website. So yeah. uh, find join us. us on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, you yeah. can you can get all of those links. You can. Uh, join in the conversation on our website it's all there at moviesyoushouldlove.com so Merry Christmas and we will see you in the next podcast till then you've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com 